All right. This is our second week of From Here to Eternity. How many weren't here last week? Okay, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to catch you up really quick, all right? Um, so, one of these days, Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. It's called the rapture. He's coming back to his church. He's going to take us, snatch us up, take us up to heaven, and we will forever be with the Lord. Shortly thereafter, here upon the earth, there's going to be a time called the tribulation, a seven-year period where uh, God pours out his judgment upon the earth and continues to extend his grace to people at the same time. Uh, this seven-year period is going to begin with a peace agreement where the, anti, the, anti, the man who is going to be the Antichrist signs a peace agreement with Israel. Um, during that time, there will be a ten-nation confederacy that will become a one-world government. Um, during this first half of the tribulation, this man who will be Antichrist is also going to be rising to power within the ranks. Um, as far as the judgments that God is starting to pour out upon the earth, um, there's going to be war, famine, death. There's many people will come to Christ during this this time, um, but they're going to be killed for their faith. Also, it's going to be kind of like an open season for those who come to Christ. Um, we see during this first half of the tribulation that a third of the earth is burned up, uh, a third of the sea becomes blood, a third of the waters, the fresh waters, are uh, turned bitter, um, a third of the sun, moon, and stars are darkened. One of my favorite, the demon locust army from the uh, bottomless pit comes and um, torments men who are not Christians, who have not been sealed by God uh, for five months. They're staying there's like scorpions. Um, and a third of mankind will be killed during this first three and a half years by an uh, army of 200 million. So... The first half of the tribulation is not a walk in the park. Over half the world's population dies just between the war, famine, death, and the 200 million person army, um, not to mention the rest of the, the judgments. But during this time, God is also extending his grace out to people. He's wanting people to come to him. He uh, has 144,000 Jewish witnesses sent into the world. Uh, many people are saved, and we see that heaven is filling up with, with uh, those who are being killed with their faith. Um, 
that brings us up to date. If I'd have just given you that last week, we'd have been out of here a lot quicker, wouldn't we? Um, we're now to the midpoint of the tribulation, right here in the middle. And the seventh trumpet has blown. And if you look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, it says, There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place for, for them found in heaven. For the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. And he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. How many of you are thinking, what in the world Satan's doing in heaven, right? Yeah. Where do you think Satan is right now? Nope. He's not, he's not going to be hanging out there much because he knows where he, he's going to be spending eternity in a hot place. Um, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's the, the, the ruler of the world forces of this world. Um, he has access to heaven, as we're going to see here. Verse 10, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and authority of his Christ has come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. What does it say Satan's doing? Accusing us, believers, before God day and night. Um, I think it's going to come to this point and God's going to be like, I have had enough. The seventh trumpet is blown. There's war in heaven. Satan and his demons no longer have access. Um, Verse 12, For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he only has a short time. Satan's read the Bible. He knows he's got three and a half years left. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. This is, this is Israel. Satan immediately goes after Israel, God's chosen people. But it says in these verses that uh, God... God protects them from, from Satan and the Antichrist. Um, during this middle part of the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to go into the temple and declare himself God. In the minds of many Jewish people, the Bible says in the Old Testament that a third of the Jewish people are going to have their eyes open and realize that Jesus Christ truly is God when this happens. And uh, a third of them are going to come to Christ, and they are going to flee into the wilderness. And God is going to supernaturally protect them for the next three and a half years. So Satan is frustrated. He does not uh, get to pour out his wrath upon Israel. 
Verse 17, the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. This is the, the non-Jewish believers, the Gentile believers, those who have come to Christ. Um, if he can't get at Israel, he's going to go after them. Now, chapter 13 tells us here, we're right here in the middle of the tribulation, and tells us about uh, the rise to supreme power of this man who is the Antichrist. He's described here as a beast. Um, Verse 3 of chapter 13. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. Somehow, the Antichrist, right here in the middle of tribulation, is going to receive a fatal wound, and Satan is going to heal him. And when the world sees this, they are amazed and they follow after him. And it says, and they worship the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan, because he gave his authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who is able to wage war with him? And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. How long is 42 months? Three and a half years. Notice that this, notice that this authority was given to him by who? God. Exactly. It's going to look like Satan is in control. He's getting the upper hand here, but nothing happens outside the sovereign will of God. He's given authority to act for three and a half years. And it says in verse 8, All who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. Uh, this book of life is, is a book where everyone's name who has been or will be saved is there. It says that their names have been there since the foundation of the world. In other words, God chose before he ever created all his creation who he was going to save. Wrote them down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you're thinking, what if I wasn't chosen, right? How do I know if my, if my name's in there, if he does the choosing? Well, here's the deal. You want to know if you're chosen? Repent and believe in Jesus Christ. And you're chosen. Now, if it really bugs you, if it bugs the snot out of you that God would choose some people and not others then you might be one of those whose name's not written in the book of life because you have this arrogance problem that God is not God.
God is creator, right? The creator gets to do whatever he wants with his creation. He's sovereign. He gets to do whatever he wants because he's God. He's also absolutely just <clears throat> so that there is no unrighteousness in his not choosing some and choosing others. We don't get that because we're not God. But here's the deal. There is a Lamb's Book of Life. Names are written there. <clears throat> and it says that everyone on earth whose name has not been written in that book, in other words, who, unless, unless they've been saved or are going to be saved in the next three and a half years, it says everyone else worshipped the beast and Satan who gave him his power. Now think about this. Last three and a half years, no room for religion anymore. You're either worshiping Satan or God. God, God just boils it down here and makes everything very clear. Choose. You want me or you want my enemy? And unbelievably, after all they've seen, the world worships the Antichrist and Satan who gives him his power. Um, verse 11 talks about another beast. <clears throat> this is the false prophet. Um, the false prophet is the Antichrist's right-hand man. He's the one who promotes the Antichrist. He's the one that causes the world to worship the Antichrist. It says in verse 12, He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. And he performs great signs that are, so that he even makes fire come down of, out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. How's this guy doing miracles? Through the power of Satan. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And there was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast might even speak. Think about that. People are going to be wowed by this. They make this great big image of the, of the Antichrist, and the thing talks. And they cause as many who, as who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So here's the law. Worship the Antichrist or die. And he causes all, small, great, rich, poor, free, slave, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one should be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him calculate understanding the number of the beast, for the number, it's the number of man. His number is 666. So this false prophet says, okay, everybody's got to get a mark on his forehead or on his back of his right hand. It can be the name of the beast or this number 666. And no one can buy or sell without it. 
So how hard is it going to be to be a follower of Christ if you can't buy or sell anything? I believe very few Christians, people who come to Christ during this period of time, are going to make it through to the end. It's going to be practically impossible. Try living three and a half years. You can't buy anything. You can't sell anything. You can't do business. can't buy any food. Everybody's out hunting you, okay? Because you don't have the mark. Satan is out after complete control. He wants everyone on earth to worship him. He wants God's glory. Um, Chapter 14 kind of gives us some other things that are happening during this last three and a half years. Uh, First part of chapter 14, we see the 144,000 Jewish witnesses that we saw in the first half. They're now in heaven. They've all been killed. Um, Verse 8 or 6 of chapter 14, I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made the earth and heaven and sea and springs of water. God sends an angel flying in the air around the world proclaiming to the inhabitants of the earth, Worship God. Come to him. Repent. Okay? giving them every chance in the world. You see an angel. You go out, you're outside, you see an angel proclaiming, worship God. It's probably going to give you a little clue of, hey, there is a God, right? There, there, there's not going to be any atheists during this point in time. There, people are going to know that there is a God. There will be no excuses. A second angel uh, proclaiming that the world system is going to fall. Verse 9, another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anybody worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, he will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Clear warning, don't take the mark. You're going to hell, all right? And yet people are deceived. People are sinners. Rebels against God. That's that's our basic problem, that we're born into this world. Rebels against God, and they continue to be. Um... Chapter 15, verse 7. This is probably getting toward the end of the three and a half years, the last three and a half years. One of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. 
And so these angels start to pour out these bowls upon the earth, pouring out judgment. And it almost seems like they're in rapid succession, the way, the way that it's written. <clears throat> I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of the wrath of God upon the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl into the earth, and it became a loathsome and malignant sore upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. Uh, loathsome and malignant. Does not sound pretty. Upon only those who have the mark and worship Satan. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and the sea became blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. The oceans become blood. Everything in them dies. God's not messing around now. Third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, Righteous art thou, who art and who wast, O holy one, because thou didst judge these things. For they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink. They deserve it. So this angel says, Heaven is filling up with the righteous believers that have come to Christ during the tribulation because these people are killing them. Can you imagine, uh, can you see now why the, the first half is called the tribulation and the second half Jesus referred to as the great tribulation? Um, the religion of the world is Satanism. They're probably taking these believers and sacrificing them to Satan. They're pouring out their blood constantly, hunting them down. And now all they have left to drink is blood. And the angels says, ha, they deserve it. The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given it to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent so as to give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of pain, and they blasphemed the name of blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Is that amazing? Can't deny there's a God. I don't know if you, if I can, if if we can even imagine this of, of of what God can I say feels at the rejection of His creation. This is going to be a poor example, but I, I want you to I want you to put you in God's shoes for a second. Uh, let's say that you make a a wooden boy, okay. Pinocchio. You make a wooden boy. You love this little wooden boy that you made. And then somehow you have the ability to actually give life to this boy that you made, this little wooden boy. 
and it becomes a living being. And this boy grows up, and it rebels against you. It hates you. It mocks you. It doesn't want to have anything to do with you. You're the one that created it. You're the one that gave it life. And that's what man does to God. He created us, gave us life, and man rebels against him or just ignores him and doesn't appreciate it. It goes beyond ignoring in the tribulation. They can't ignore God anymore, but they openly rebel. And thus, we see the wrath of God. He's given them every chance. The sixth angel pours out his bowl upon the great river Euphrates um, so that the water would be dried up and might be prepared for the kings of the east. What he's doing here, what this judgment is, is that uh, Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet deceive the armies of the world to all gather into one place, a place which is in Hebrew, verse 16, called Armageddon. Uh, this is the, the, the Mount of Megiddo. This is, you, you've heard of, everyone heard of Armageddon, right? What do you think when you think of Armageddon? The end. Yeah, well, this is, this is going to be the final battle of the world. And it's going to, he's, he's, these three, this unholy trinity, Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, deceives the armies of the world to come to one place, the Valley of Armageddon. It's a great plain there at the, at, the, at the base of this mountain. And the armies of the world gather there, and, and, and God is gathering them there. What, what this bold judgment is about is he's gathering them into one place so he can wipe them out once and for all. Um, the seventh angel poured out his bull upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. There were flashes of lightning, sounds, peals of thunder, it's always associated with uh, the voice of God in Revelation. There was a great earthquakes, such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty. Uh, verse 20. Every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. So God shakes the world so much, the islands sink away, the mountains crumble to nothing. Total devastation. If the mountains crumble, I doubt there's many buildings left. And uh, then, probably my second favorite judgment here, verse 21, and huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each, came down from heaven upon men. He's just... Wiped out the world with an earthquake. I mean, everything has crumbled. And then on top of that, 100-pound hailstones. Okay? I looked this up. I, 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 I thought, now how big does a 100-pound hailstone have to be? They say between, depending on how much air is in it, between 18 and 22 inches. Okay? A 100-pound hailstone. And 100 pounds is a lot of weight. So, so this falling out of the air, multiple... It's like bombs, basically. God carpet bombs the world with hailstones. Um, 
And it says, men blaspheme God because of the plague of hail, because its plague was extremely severe. Yes, it was. Um, I almost wonder if God is wiping out almost everybody except the armies that, that are waiting to come back, or, or waiting there for him to come back. Um, so that brings us up to, let's turn over to Revelation chapter 19. Jesus Christ is coming back to earth. He's coming back to reign. He's coming back as king. Chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire, and upon his head are many diadems, and he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. This is Jesus Christ. This is God Almighty in human form, okay? This is the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He's on a white horse that says uh, the heavens were open, and I would assume this means that all the clouds are parted so people can see Jesus Christ is coming back. He's on a white horse, and it says in verse 14 that the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Um, everywhere in Revelation where it talks about those who are clothed in fine linen, white and clean, it's referring to the... Um, The church, the resurrected body of Christ, okay? So this army clothed in uh, fine linen, white and clean, is us. We're coming back with Christ. And this is what I always think when I read, when I read this part, is that someday we're going to be up in heaven, conscious of what's going on upon the earth and God's judgment of it, and toward the end, Jesus is going to get up on his throne. And he's going to say, okay, guys, it's time to go. Take the earth back. And he's going to get up on his white horse, and we're going to get up on a big white horse. And I can't help but think, when, when, I, when, I, when I throw my leg up over that horse, I'm going to be thinking, I read about this. And it's happening now. It's going to be so cool, Okay. So we come back. These horses fly, all right? They're coming back in the air. This is no problem for God, all right? And you have the, the armies of the world gathered to fight against Jesus Christ and the army of heaven. Now, um, Psalm chapter 2 describes this. It says, why are the nations in an uproar and the people devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. They say, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. They're talking big. He who sits in the heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. 
Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. Um, when the Lord comes back and the sky is parted and they see God in his glory coming back, I don't think, uh, I don't think they're going to touch a trigger. They're going to be freaked out. Over in uh, chapter 19, verse 19. Oop, I skipped something. 15. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he might smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Just so you don't mistake it. King of kings, Lord of lords. It says, coming from his mouth is a sharp sword. How many think Jesus has come back with a sword in his mouth? This is, this is obviously figurative language. What usually comes out of our mouth? Words. The Bible says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. When Jesus comes back, he does not need weapons. All he needs is his words. His name is the word of God. With it, he created the world. Uh, Verse 19, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat upon the horse and upon his armies. That's why they're gathered there. They're ready to fight Jesus Christ when he comes back. It says, The beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast, those who worship his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. These are the first two inhabitants of hell, okay? These are the first two thrown in the lake of fire. They don't get a trial, picked up, thrown in the lake of fire. And then it says, The rest were killed from the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat upon the horse. And all the birds of the air were filled with their flesh. Um, so you, here you have the, uh, the armies of the world gathered together. Just by today's standard, they've got to have some pretty sweet weapons, right? Nuclear, nuclear missiles, anti uh, Anti-missile weapons. I was just reading. You know, they've they've got uh, they've got guns that that shoot twenty millimeter rounds, forty-five hundred rounds per minute. Okay, but that's seventy-five rounds a second. That's <laughs> but like I said, what good's that against God? Even if they get to pull the trigger, but I, I don't think they even get to. I think they're just. Scared snotless. Um, Zechariah gives us a picture of of what's going to happen when the Lord returns in chapter 14. He says, Now this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet, and their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongue will rot in their mouth. How many have ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Raiders of the Lost Ark, they got that from the Bible where they open the ark and this thing comes out and, and their faces melt, you know? 
The Lord's going to come back. He's going to speak the word, and these people, their flesh is just going to melt. He's going to kill them all. Bang. It's a battle that doesn't last long, this battle of Armageddon. So, Feast of the False Prophet or Seas, thrown in heaven, chapter 20. Verse 1, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the abyss. This is the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the abyss, and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he should not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he will be released for a short time. So Satan is seized, bound with a chain, thrown in the bottomless pit. Verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. Any guesses who they are that sat upon them? Thrones. It's us, okay? The armies that came back with him. Those who were redeemed were coming back with Christ to rule and reign with him. And judgment was given to them, in other words, authority to rule. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and not received the mark upon their forehead, upon their hands. These are those who had been killed during the tribulation. It says they came to life. And reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. The first resurrection is a resurrection to life. It's a resurrection of those who have come to Christ. The second resurrection is going to happen until the end of the thousand years. The resurrection of those who were in Hades. Blessed is holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Here again, a thousand years. Jesus Christ is coming back, and he's going to set up his kingdom upon the earth. And he himself is going to be here on earth, ruling and reigning as king. And it says we get to reign with him. Now, who are we going to be ruling and reigning over? Remember those Jewish believers that God protected supernaturally for three and a half years? They're still alive. And they're going to get the privilege of coming into the thousand-year reign of Christ. And they're going to be the ones to repopulate the world while we who have resurrection bodies are the, the governing force over them. Now, the Bible dis, uh, describes in Isaiah stuff that's going to happen during this thousand-year reign of Christ or the millennium. Isaiah chapter 2, 
verse 2. Now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief mountain. The Lord is going to <clears throat> restore the earth. The Bible talks about a 75-day period between the end of the tribulation and the beginning of the millennium. Uh, it's probably for the sheep-goat judgment and the restoration of the world. But the world is going to be restored to its pre-fall state. It's pre-curse state. It's going to be a, a beautiful place to be. It's going to be like the Garden of Eden again. The chief mountain in the world is going to be where Jerusalem sits on. And all the nations will stream into it. And many peoples will come to say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he, he may teach us concerning his ways. Jesus is going to actually be there. Not that Jesus who was the human and came and died to our sins, but the Jesus in his glorified state. King of kings, Lord of lords, God Almighty. And he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many people, and they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their, pruning hook, their, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. Uh, during this thousand years, there will never be a war. There will never be conflict between nations. It's because human sinful man is not going to have control over the nations. Jesus Christ is. And, uh, and us who are reigning with him. So uh, things are going to look very different during this thousand years. Isaiah 65 Verse 19. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem, be glad in my people. There will no longer be in her the voice of weeping or the sound of crying. No longer there will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at the age of 100, and the one who does not reach the age of 100 shall be thought accursed. So people are going to live longer during this time. Kind of like back in the, in the beginning of the world when they were living hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, it says that as the life of the tree, the lifetime of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. Trees live to be hundreds, can live to be hundreds of years old. Um, so so these, these people who come in and repopulate the earth are going to be living for hundreds of years. And let's say, I'm just picking a random number here, 100,000 Jewish believers start to inhabit this new, this, this new creation of God um, on the earth. And a thousand years, you go back a thousand years from from today, we're, we're, we're in the 1,000s, right? That's a long time ago. And you have people living to be hundreds of years old, the earth is going to repopulate. By the end of the 1,000 years, there will probably be at least as many people on the earth as we have now. And yet life will be very different. It says that... Um, 
verse 25, the wolf and the lamb shall graze together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall do no evil or harm in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Even um, animal life is going to be affected. It talks about the fact that a, a little child can be next to the hole of the serpent and not be hurt, stuff like that. Uh, one more. Isaiah thirty nineteen. O people in Zion, inhabitants in Jerusalem, you will not weep. You will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Can you imagine Jesus Christ being your teacher? You get to come to him, you get to go to Jerusalem and hear him speak. He teaches you, he guides you. Um, down in verse 26, it says that the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be seven times brighter like the light of seven days on the day the Lord binds up the fracture of his people and heals the bruise he has inflicted. sun's going to be seven times brighter. Obviously, he's going to have our eyes be able to adjust to that. But it's almost as if what we're living in now is just... We're living in the darkness. We're living in the, the, the shadows and in, in complete dim. And when the Lord comes, he says the sun will be seven times brighter. Maybe it's so that when we actually come into his, people come into his presence, they're not totally blinded by the, the, uh, the glory of God there on the throne. Their eyes are always already used to very bright light. I don't know. But, a fact, seven times brighter. Different stuff that's going to happen during this thousand-year reign of Christ upon the earth. So we're going to pick up here next week, and we're going to uh, see what happens when Satan is released from the bottomless pit. And we're going to talk about why none of you are going to spend eternity in heaven. Okay? Have a good night.